Welcome back to the DC Yoga Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Parkinson. And today in the studio, we have Deborah Michelov. She's been the owner of Flow Yoga Center here in DC for 15 years. Um, and if you've done yoga in DC, you've probably gone to Flow at least once. Um, so uh, without further ado, welcome, Deb. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. I'm doing great. Um, we always like to start off with a little bit of background, and usually the first question I ask is, do you remember your first yoga class, or do you remember how you got into yoga? Yeah, definitely. Um, my absolute first yoga class was in San Francisco. Mm. I went with my then-fiancé, who didn't become my husband, but he was my fiancé at that point, and there was a Bikram studio in, I guess it was in the mission or near the mission in San Francisco. And I, I knew nothing about yoga, modern day yoga at least. And so I wore this long sleeve top because it was always chilly in San Francisco, long pants, long, you know, workout pants. But we got there and he didn't tell me anything. And it was quite an experience, but I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little like, I was definitely the only one in the class clothed like that. But yeah, I got over it and uh, it was really neat. And when was this? Was this like, was this mid-90s, late-90s? Uh, Mid-90s. Mid-90s? Yeah. So we really, it's like Bikram was kind of like, in a lot of in a lot of communities, the only game in town at that point. Yeah, right? San, San Francisco definitely but had a bunch yeah. of studios. But yeah, this was actually, I was saying the mission, it was in the Castro, I think. I'm like really picturing it now, walking into the studio, realizing that I was overdressed <laughs> in all the ways you can be overdressed. <laughs> <laughs> and did you co did you go back to Bikram like the very next week where you're like, okay, this is this is gonna be my thing, or did you you're like, okay, that's neat, yeah. and then come back to it later on? No, I mean, I think maybe we we went a couple more times, and then I think fast forward a year or so, I was I was involved in so many other things at that time, and um, fast forward a couple years, we broke up, and I was totally devastated, lonely girl in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. figuring out like what I wanted to do job wise. I think I like made a shift in my job and there was a yoga studio down the street from where I lived. And I, it was a, another Bikram studio and the woman's name was Mary Jarvis ah. and she still teaches. I don't follow her exactly. And I don't think she's still in that same studio, but I, I've seen her around. Um, and she had this deal that, cause I was, yeah, I had just switched jobs. I was working part-time someplace, and I was, like, thinking of leaving it until I figured out my next step. And she had this deal that if you come every single day, it was for free. Wow. Yeah. That's a pretty good deal. So I started to go to Bikram every single day for free. And that had a huge impact on me. She had a huge impact on me. Like, just that generosity, but that um, commitment around that, that she inspired in me. Did it, did it like was it the discipline then that kind of like was instilled from it from the everyday practice of it the getting up and going to class yeah and I was still in like I was in my full San Francisco days like I seriously remember like at some point um stopping smoking but I, I remember like I would go with my roommate sometimes like leaving the Bikram class getting a you know, lighting a cigarette and walking happily home like we did it now let's have a cigarette <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure that lasted on and off for a while, but it sounds like the nineties. Yeah. And, and San Francisco, but at some point I, I do, I was never a big smoker, but I was like in my party stages then. But at some point, the more I started to practice yoga, the less that became attractive to me, the cigarettes. And I just stopped without even trying. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Was that, did you, um, was that more of a feeling or did you know why you were doing it at the time? The smoking? No, so the, the quitting <laughs> of the smoking. Do you know why you were doing oh, it? Oh, no, or no. Just it, just, like it, just it felt right to do it. It, it was more of a craving, I'm sure. I, I wasn't like a pack-a-day smoker, but I, I was more of a social smoker in the community I was in with my roommates and just staying out late and having a cigarette or something. But, um, yeah, but the quitting just happened naturally. I didn't even think about it. It's mm-hmm. just the more practice I did, the more it inspired that kind of change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then when did you branch off from Bikram to, like, other stuff? Um... How long did you do Bikram for? How many days in a row did you do it for? Oh, I, I was doing it every day. And, you know, I'm sure I didn't go every single day, but I was consistent probably for a year or something like that. <sighs> like, I was there. Yeah. I was there. I was right down the street. I was I was in it. At some point, you know, I, I figured out my job situation and got a job. I'm sure I became a paying customer. But, um, yeah, I didn't know any other style of yoga. When I was a really little girl, my dad, my parents were divorced when I was really young, and I would go see him once in a while. I do remember... He had this book um, by Richard Hittleman. Yeah. Do you know that book? I do know the book. Yeah, it's the 30-Day Yoga Challenge or something. Well, that's, <laughs> that's one of them anyway that he wrote. But Yeah. I don't rem- Yeah. So I remember him. He, he was a real character. He had like a, a lot of things going on. He was a drug addict, really, to You be met honest. him? No, my dad. Oh, okay. I was like, wow, <laughs> I don't know if I Richard. <laughs> no, so the, the impressions I got from my dad. So you asked me, other than Bikram, like yeah. what were my impressions in yoga? So my dad had a lot of things going on with him, but he also had some sort of a yoga practice through this book. And I must have been like five or six, and I re- really I remember him practicing and maybe doing something along. And, you know, nothing again in my life until the Bikram, mm-hmm. right? And then... Um, yeah, somebody must have told me about Yoga Tree, which is another amazing studio in San Francisco. And I went to a couple classes. Maybe it was Janet Stone or Rusty Wells or this woman, um, Stephanie Snyder, Dina Amsterdam. These are all these early on teachers in San Francisco. Yeah. I'm sure I'm forgetting a few, but I started to go to these different classes. And then I just realized, like, what have I been doing? I, I loved Bikram, but I like the idea of a sun salutation and just some of the other poses that weren't included in the sequence mm-hmm. like really set me free. And it, it, it really aligned more with who I was, I think, than mm-hmm. this regimented 26 poses. That was definitely a great um, initiator. And I also, I'm a very, um, I need that discipline sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wha- what were they teaching? Was this like a, like sort of a, uh, was it a vinyasa class that we might recognize today or was it like completely different? Did you, was there, was there pranayama involved? Was there meditation? Like how, like what, how kind of was it was structured? Um, if you can remember. No, I remember yeah. because those are the classes that really, um, really resonated with me. And I, I still crave those classes. I, there's nothing like them. I've found hints of them in different teachers. Uh, but they had these just, um, incredibly creative sequences set to this amazing soundtrack of music you know people either like music or don't but when a teacher knows how to use music they can create an experience like no other Mm -hmm. um and there was just so much depth and wisdom even in those early days for these teachers that they were sharing uh you know now many teachers i think um have their own sense of depth and wisdom in, in what they're doing but when you're fresh out of Bikram and y- you start hearing these things and you start chanting Om in this different way. And I was really into um, the chanting that Rusty Wells used to come into class with this drum mm-hmm. and 
yeah, the spirit of practicing with other people. Would he do that before class or after class? Or Usually before class. before class. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So, yeah. and there was like a hundred people in the room. It was just, yeah. Wow. It's really cool experience. That's a big studio, yeah? Yeah. They're still there. Yoga, uh, yoga works bought them. But it's one of the only studios I think that Yoga Works lets be. Um, there, It's like Yoga Tree mm-hmm. at, through Yoga Works. Yeah. I d- they knew they shouldn't mess with that. So what were you doing? What were you doing at the time? What was your day job? Oh, um, I was working for a company um, during the whole dot com, hmm. original dot com. So in the early two thousands, so I worked for a company that we did this metadata um, search on the internet, and it's called Alexa actually. So do you know how we have this modern day Alexa mm-hmm. tool? Uh, that my company back then was called Alexa Internet and Amazon bought Alexa way back then. Um, and that's why they use the name Alexa now. But they did a lot of behind the scenes search. So they would crawl the web, make an archive of it. And through that archive, there was like just lots of patterns and searching and things that's like so that. That's so cool. Could do. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So I worked for them. I was one of the early. And that's how I actually opened my studio because I worked for a company that got bought by Amazon and got a little bit of money from it. Very nice. So your first studio was out in San Francisco. No, I just saved that money until I moved to DC. Yeah. So when did you so when did you decide, Okay, like, you know, yoga is going to be my life. I'm going to, you know, open a yoga studio. You know, I'm go- or I'm just going to be a yoga teacher. Did you do teacher training like out y- there or did yeah. you? Yeah. Um, no, I never did. Wa- it was a hobby. And then at some point I moved to New York and started to go to Jivamukti mm. when they were on Lafayette Street. Yeah. And I was there a cup. I, I was on and off. I wasn't like an everyday yoga practitioner. It was just part of just what I did. Um, but not I, I wasn't the one who was there like five days a week anymore. Long, long past for those days, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was in New York, and I ended up moving to D.C. for my job. My boss said, either come back to San Francisco or you have to move to D.C., and I had already started to date my husband, so I chose D.C., and once I got to D.C., I took a teacher training, and I took it at a studio called Tranquil Space, which is no yeah. longer in existence, and it was, re- it was early days of Tranquil Space. They were in a church, and... They had a teacher training, and I was new to the city, and I took the teacher training, and I met the best of friends, and I'm still the best of friends with from that original group. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was during that teacher training, I think, that I was going through some, like, what do I want to do with my life? And I was in this women's group, and we would meet once a week, and we would go through these exercises, sort of just finding, you know, what brings you joy, that kind of thing. and. The question was asked if like time and money were no obstacle, what would you do? And out of nowhere, the thought popped in my head. I'd never thought about it before, but I said it out loud, like, I want to open a yoga studio. And from there, that was like, it kind of turned it on and I opened Mm -hmm. a yoga studio a year and a half later. So it was was sort of spontaneous, but sort of inside of me. Mm -hmm. And with that was flow that you opened up a year and a half later? Yeah. 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 Um, Did you teach right after you did yoga teacher training? I started to teach during uh, yoga teacher training. I um, I had another job at that point. I worked with um, nonprofits. I helped them do online advocacy and fundraising. So you know when you get a letter to say click here to 
tell you know your senator how you feel about a certain issue. Yep. So we implemented that mm -hmm. um, that function, and um, I I really like that job a lot. I felt like I was contributing in some way because we work with these really neat organizations, but it didn't um, completely capture my attention. I I didn't feel like it was the end. I thought it was sort of where I was right then, but there had to be something else. And when I started to take my teacher training and I did a little teaching on the side, I felt this certain, I, I just felt more alive. Like I was like, I feel more alive when I'm teaching a class than I do when I'm sitting across from someone demonstrating how our software works for sure. Mm -hmm. So I, I need to do something different. Yeah. And I started to offer classes out of my apartment during the teacher training. I put up a sign in the Cleveland Park. I was living there in the Metro, like yoga at Deborah's house. Wow, and yeah. I had strangers coming to my apartment at like seven in the morning and I would clear all the furniture out. I didn't have that much furniture. Like seven or eight people would come and I would charge them like eight bucks and I was teaching, so. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. How yeah. how many different places back then were there to take yoga in DC? Um, there was Unity Woods yep. in Woodley Park. And I, I was taking a class there with this teacher. She doesn't live here anymore. Her name's Carolyn Blumall. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And there was I can't remember. Spiral Flight was a studio in Georgetown. I th I'm almost positive that's the name. And was there the Bikram Studio in DuPont? That's what. It w that's yes, one there of there's the Bikram Studio in DuPont, and I feel like I might be forgetting one, but um, I think that was it. Was really oh, there was the Ashtanga Yoga Center on right. Wisconsin Avenue, and also later there was Boundless Yoga, which was Kim Week's studio. Mm -hmm. She's I was on U Street. Yeah, I was on U Street in like. 12 no 13th maybe yeah and yeah. then there was willow street yoga which is in tacoma park mm -hmm. which was an, um, an anusara studio yeah yeah so not a lot of places to take yoga no not not too many but enough like for the early seekers i think mm -hmm. yeah um and did you teach at those studios at all or did you did you plow your energies into starting your own studio yeah at that I, point? I i um i was teaching out of my house and i started to think I don't really want to teach out of my house anymore because there's total strangers coming here at seven in the morning. <laughs> and so there was this place in Cleveland Park called Vic Domit's Dance Studio, mm -hmm. which I'm sure had been around for twenty years. So I rented a space from them. And just within that year's time I decided I was opening a studio because I wasn't really finding anything. There was really nice studios in DC, but I wasn't finding anything like the feelings that I got when I was in the studios in San Francisco yeah. or in a Jeeva Mukti class in New York, just style-wise, the um, sort of the teachers mm -hmm. that really inspired me. So I was like, I want to do that, and I, I really love creating community, intentional community, mm -hmm. and yeah. I've been to that Jeeva Mukti studio in New York. It's pretty awesome on Lafayette Street. Yeah, yeah, because they moved yeah. now. They're on like right below U Union. So Square. maybe that's the one I went to. It was about two years ago yeah year that's the new oh, one that's the new one yeah okay mm -hmm. yeah it's a huge place and it's mm -hmm. it's really cool um so we had several yoga studios different types of yoga studios um and then you opened up flow on p street was that mm -hmm. the that was the first location yeah that was my first location i originally wanted to open up in tacoma park mm. um and that's another conversation but i didn't end up opening there and we were just looking around, and it was really hard. Nobody, you know, I was like, 
I couldn't get a realtor to help me find a space. I was literally walking up and down the streets. Right. Seeing what buildings were vacant. And I saw the space next to the Whole Foods. And I went to the liquor store underneath. And I'm like, hey, my name's Deborah. I want to open a yoga studio. Like, who owns a space? And the guy's like, no one, no one. And it, he was the guy who owned the space. Right. He was a landlord. Of, he um, owned the whole building. But he wanted nothing to do with me. I must have visited him like five times. And at some point, I brought my husband. Uh, he wasn't my husband yet, but we were soon to be married. And uh, he was a little pushier than I am. What was and his deal? He just didn't want a yoga studio up in his, he, his, in his you house? You know, he may have like engaged with me a couple of times. There was nothing there. He was just waiting for somebody like a bigger, more established business to come in. And yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I had the same experience with realtors. Unless you have a business or a really solid business plan, they're mm -hmm. kind of not taking you as seriously. And I did have a business plan. Um, at, you know, sometime during that year, I bought this business planning software. I didn't get through the whole plan. I remember I spent $200 on it, which was a lot to, mm -hmm. you know, for a dream, but it was definitely worth it. And I got through like half of it. I changed our name a couple of times. After Tacoma, we were trying to find the space on Capitol Hill. And we were going to be called Light on the Hill Yoga. Light on the Hill Yoga. <laughs> that was my husband's name. And uh, yeah, he really liked that. And we couldn't get the space. They picked a coffee shop. It was right near the Eastern Market. I yeah. think the coffee shop might still be there. We begged these people. You know, we like showed them our finance. And I had a little bit of money, too, from this Amazon stock. But it just wasn't good enough to, you know, because when you sign a lease, it's not oh, can I try this out for a year or two? It's like this 10-year or so commitment with all these other stipulations. Mm -hmm. And they just found a different business to go there. What were some of the other names you fiddled around with before Flow? Oh, I was definitely into Firefly Yoga. Firefly Yoga. I'm so happy that I have Flow. Flow yeah. is, the, what's wrong with Firefly? I like Firefly. I that know, sounds kind of like, cool. I know. I went through all these iterations of like the name. I'm sure I was like hanging out with my girlfriends trying to figure it out. I don't know. I'm sure there are firefly yogas, but I love the name flow. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, it just fits like what we do, who I am. And yeah, right. I and couldn't, couldn't imagine it differently. Of course, now it sounds pretty simple. Like if you're yeah. if you're going to if you're going to open a yoga studio, the first thing you look for is the nearest Whole Foods. Yeah. <laughs> That's where you want your yoga studio. There, there was a Whole Foods there. There wasn't. Yeah. Um, there was just a Whole Foods. And. It still felt very risky and oh, sure. not a sure thing. Now, yeah. Now it's like, oh, yeah, if I open another one, I want to find a Whole Foods. Yeah. But, yeah, that would probably be really outside of our budget for opening a space these e exactly, days. Exactly, right? Yeah. Like, you can't just, like, it, it's it's out of the budget of, of, of like studio owners. I mean, if you want to find a place now, you really got to... You really got to find a like an up and coming neighborhood yeah. where the rents are still low. Otherwise, like forget it. I mean, I, I tried to Julia Romano and I tried to get a studio space uh, about five years ago uh -huh. um, and we looked at a tiny space over in Brookland um, and it was reasonable. The rate they were asking, it wasn't nearly big enough um, and the contract was not kind of what we wanted. Um, but uh, that was five years ago and and now like if you wanted to open up a place like over there like forget it you know it's, it would just be way too much i mean the the amount they're asking per square foot to open a yoga studio just isn't it's just not economically feasible for a lot of people like if i wanted to open up a place for example down at the navy yards right no way no no yeah. way <laughs> i haven't looked in a while we were looking uh, a couple of years ago we were looking down in the capitol hill area again yeah. on h no on 8th 
I always get mixed up between eighth and H. Yeah, eighth out, eighth street, the, which the is one where the, the Whole Foods is. Mm-hmm. It was before the Whole Foods was there, but yeah, we were looking there for a while. But yeah, it was so expensive, and I was just thinking about like, yeah, just how I wanted to spend my days and how I wanted to drive around town, and mm-hmm. yeah, we ended up not going through with one of these deals that we weren't spent a lot of time on actually. Yeah. Yeah. So how did the first year go at Flow? Um. Who did you hire? Like, uh, it, does anybody still work there from the when you first opened? Oh yeah. Really? Who? Yeah. Um, Angela Serkovich, um, Gail Harris. Uh, like my first or second year, I did a teacher training. Uh, Corey mm-hmm. Bryant, Caroline Weaver, Leah Kalinowski, and I'm sure I'm missing a few, but yeah, they were definitely um, Todd Anderson. He came in while we were in the midst of our build out. He's like, "What are you guys doing here?" I'm like, "I'm opening a yoga studio," and he's like are you hiring anyone? I'm like, I'm going to hire karma yogis and teachers. And yeah. So he became our first karma yogi. Very cool. Yeah. What year did you guys open it? In 2004. So I got married in 2004 in, um, I opened the studio and got married all in the same month in the summer of 2004, which was really crazy because we were, we did a build out. It took us probably like 10 months to do a build out that was only supposed to take four months mm-hmm. you know i don't know if you know about doing build outs oh and yeah. like dealing with the dcra and I all those things i do yes yeah. mm-hmm. it's ex- exhausting and intense and i don't wish it on anyone <laughs> and we ended up doing three more versions of build out so yeah yeah um s- and so you did um did you kind of start the studio with like, okay, I'm going to set a style of yoga or I'm just going to hire as many awesome teachers as I can and see what kind of happens? Was there like a big plan for like the, you know, the direction of where you were going to go? No. It w- it w- oh, and you know who else taught there? Um, I think I may have said Angela Serkovich. Mm-hmm. Um, Jill Abelson, who's no longer in D.C., but she was a huge part of the D.C. yoga scene. She um, started – she was a teacher for a while at our studio, and then I think she went off to do her Jeeva Mukti teacher training. And she brought Jiva Mukti to D.C. in a big way. Um, it's definitely not popular anymore in, in the studios, but she was another teacher. And I think what I wanted to do is just find teachers that I wanted to take classes from. And I didn't really want to go to other studios and take those teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, I met Angela. I think she was teaching at Woolly Mammoth, um, the Woolly Mammoth Theater. Mm-hmm. I am... Um, there's this girl, Kate Miller, who's a really amazing person. She was the daughter of the woman who owned Willow Street Yoga, and I was sort of connecting with them. They sort of helped me come up with, like, how do I pay teachers? And the woman, uh, Susie, who owns it, you know, said, my daughter Kate can help you out. So mm-hmm. she ended up being a teacher. Someone introduced me to Gail Harris, who was, like, the Ashtanga teacher, you know, for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it was very organic. There wasn't any sort of method behind it. Mm-hmm. There still isn't. That's 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 yeah. refreshing to hear. Oh. <laughs> Sometimes it can be pretty exhausting, too. Um, and so the first couple of years were good. And when did you start doing your first teacher training there? Yeah, like the when first. Did you for that? I, I remember saying if I can get um, eight people in the room four times a day, like we had our number somehow back then, like that would help us break even pretty quickly. Not uh, it cost us like eighty thousand dollars to do the build out. Mm-hmm. So like I took all my money to do it. And so I don't think that was in the break even part, but we broke even like in the second week. I'm like, okay, I could do this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at that time I, I did teach one class, but I quickly learned that that wasn't going to be viable for me to teach the class, check the class in, clean up after the class. 
which, you know, I yeah. think I'm still doing a lot of that. <laughs> so yeah. people come, so people come to flow and they, if they don't know you already, they're kind of like, who's that lady? Like sweeping, sweeping the, floor. the floor. Yeah, no, I definitely have amazing people <laughs> helping me sweep the floor. But every time we have a big event at the end of the night, like say we'll have some kind of gather community gathering. I look across at my husband and it's like the event ended like an hour ago and he and I are still there sweeping the floor. I'm like, I cannot do this anymore. I have like my kids screaming to go home and yeah, but we, yeah, we're there a lot. Yeah. Um, did you set out to, uh, create, so you said you created an intentional community with the studio. When did that start to take shape? I mean, it took shape since the minute I opened flow. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was just like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I move by like my intuition, I think more than my practical, like, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm just like, this feels good. I'm, I'm really feel like in tune with like what feels good. My mm -hmm. husband's the complete opposite, but he didn't come until four years later. So I had four years of just being like, I like this. This feels good. I, I love that teacher. I think I should play around with the schedule in this way. And um, then he came in and he sort of put the kibosh on the looseness of it. The hippy dippy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And now we, we have great conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how... <laughs> And this is kind of a big question, I guess, and we could have an entire podcast on this, but um, how has the yoga changed in D.C. since you've been here? I mean, the way I get it sort of from, what I've, from talking to other people is from about late 90s to about maybe 2008, 2009, it was like slow growth. And then all of a sudden, like 2009, 2010, and it just like yoga studios were everywhere and there was Groupons and there was every gym had a yoga program and it just sort of exploded all at once and it's just been you know going growing exponentially since then yeah no I mean I, th I think you characterized it pretty well we never got into the Groupon thing I think it's a really um it killed a lot of yoga challenging studios. route to go it's never how I wanted to grow because yeah it, it really like people will just come and they like if you're selling something that's just the cheapest all the time, you, you won't create any loyalty, mm -hmm. I think. Um, yeah, now there's a lot more yoga studios. But there's also studios that close sometimes too. Mm -hmm. So I think that we're sort of at this, like, um, things slowing down a little bit, I think. It's a as far saturated. as like, yeah, it's just like, where else are you going to open a studio right now? It, um, I actually could think of a lot of places you could open studios, but yeah, not in Northwest DC where it's saturated. Like, yeah. it doesn't really need another studio. You could get yoga in lots of different places now, which is really cool. Um, you don't have to go to studio. I'd love if you come to my studio, but yeah, it's, yeah, people are practicing more. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, you have people like offering classes like you did in their homes or mm -hmm. like in their their churches on the weekends when there's a free space and yeah. community centers and um yeah. you can pretty much every gym that i know of hires only you know 200 hour yoga you know a lot yoga alliance approved you know teachers to teach their programs so we don't have personal trainers teaching yoga gyms anymore i mean it's yeah like it's the real deal you know? yeah if yoga alliance is the real deal is it all right well yes I, i'm happy to talk about that if you are um, I, I, yeah, I don't have an opinion on Yoga Alliance at all. I'm sort of of the opinion that Yoga Alliance can like, I'm, so I'm sort of one of these guys that doesn't like to rock the boat too much. If Yoga Alliance wants to do what they want to do, I'm sort of like, that's, that's fine with me, you know, but I also don't own a yoga studio. But you, you know, hire so. yoga teachers? 
Yeah, I hire yoga teachers. Yeah, and we actually so we just sort of changed. We we require a two hundred hour certification. Um, we don't necessarily require people to be Yoga Alliance registered. Oh, okay, that's so, great. Yeah. Yeah, it just gives more options for people to decide like what matters most to them. I think. Yeah. Yeah. We. I mean, our teacher training is registered with the Yoga Alliance right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and ours is too. And I'm like, if you want me to hop through loops to do this, I'm, that's fine with yeah. me. You know, I, you know, but I do know some people who are like hardcore anti-Yoga Alliance. Yeah, they actually, yeah, I'm, I'm totally mixed about them also. Um, a couple of years ago, there was this yoga tax thing. <laughs> do you remember that? I do. I remember us trying as much as, much as we could to avoid it. And yeah, were you at Vita then? Yeah, we were like, we literally sent out like blast, e-blast to members saying, yeah. tell people to not vote for this. Yeah. Like over and over and over again. Yeah. yeah. And so we were sort of, I, I forget, there's this guy, I feel like his name's Grant from Balance Gym or... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> One of the guy, and also the guy who owns your gym. Yeah, David. David um, Van Storch. Yeah, Van Storch. Yeah. yeah. So there was a couple of us um, c- having conversations, and like we went to the mayor's office, and Yoga Alliance was really helpful. They sent a representative, and they were really trying to help, like, help us, you know, not make that happen. Um, but, and in other cases, they've been like in California. They seem to like try to support where they can in, in different ways. Sometimes they seem to be taking different sides of things, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, when we sent in my, when we sent in our proposal for my, for our yoga school at Vita. Yeah. We sent them something and they sent it back to me and they said, okay, we need you to have more hours of anatomy or something. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote in more hours for anatomy and I sent it back to them. They go, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I was like, what's the big deal here <laughs> you know what i mean like what's yeah. so what like you dot the i's and cross the t's and you know and that's fine and i i sort of like the idea that there is at least someone trying to have some sort of oversight of something that how many millions of americans do you know so i think the i think the intention is good mm-hmm. you know yeah um how effective they are or what they end up doing 10 years, 20 years from now or what they're, you know, I don't know anything about their sort of business plan or what their goals are. You know, I don't know. I don't think their idea is to like, you know, tell every yoga teacher how to teach and have every studio how to run their business. You know? I, I haven't kept up with it. Like once in a while, there'll be like something that catches my attention. I'm kind of curious, um, you know, what that is. Like uh, I'll look at it for a moment and there's like this boycott yoga alliance thing and, you know, I'll like go down the rabbit hole like for a half hour and then I get distracted by something else. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know exactly where they're at right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's repeal the, the, the DC yoga tax. I, I heard that tax. it might, I heard it might get repealed. It's awful. Yeah. But the whole point of a tax is to, you know, make raise funds. But the whole point of like a, a lot of taxes, the point is, is a sin tax. You're supposed to tax the things that we don't want you to do. Right. Right. To help like adjust people's behaviors. Yeah, you don't want to disincent someone for doing making yeah. a healthy choice. And also, it just wasn't dealt very evenly because I think hotels that had uh, classes didn't have to abide by it. And there were just certain areas of businesses that like didn't have to do it, have people pay the tax. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it was a little ev- uneven. Um, at what point did you – so two questions, two big questions I want to get to. First is – what point did you start adding stuff that wasn't like yoga, like Pilates? Like I know you offer stuff that's, you know, core based classes and Pilates and stuff like that. When did you start to bring that stuff onto the schedule? I feel like we had that 
very early on. Very early. I don't think it's something we, st- I, I can't remember exactly, but I'm sure within the first year or two, we probably had a couple of Pilates offerings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've always liked to have a little bit of a, you know, something else. Because it's so nice to, you know, have that in your, you know, as I mean, we have a lot of different yoga styles. Um, but I, I think Pilates is really neat for somebody to do just for that core, um, mm-hmm. like for your lower back. And those kinds of movements don't always show up in a class. Mm-hmm. So it's good to balance things out. Same thing with some of our other fitness classes. What other, yeah. what other stuff do you offer besides Pilates? We have the amazing Juliet Stovall who oh does yeah. this class. Do you know Juliet? Oh yeah. Of course, she works at Vito. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> she does this class called Flow Fit. And sometimes we'll have a class called Flow Hit, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then we have a Flow Fusion class. And once in a while, we'll do some sort of bar-inspired class too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... How often do you sort of look at the schedule and go, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to tweak that, we're going to do this? Is that something that happens on a regular basis or is it something that just happens from time to time? It happens from time to time, but I'm trying to be more intentional about it. Yeah. Um, and then when did you decide that you needed a new space? We um, opened up on in that P Street location. We were on the third floor. Mm-hmm. And so to get into the space, you would, uh, you know, you'd walk into the building, you'd go to the second floor and there would be like construction paper and plastic over this space. And then you would go up to the top and you'd get flow. Mm -hmm. And we were two rooms, one room that fit, I think like eight to 12 people, depending on how many people we had, you know, wanted to put in the room much better with eight. And then the other room fit like maybe 35 people. And after the first year or two, we realized that it'd be nice to have a little bit more breathing room. Mm -hmm. And so we went back to my landlord, who was the liquor store owner, and had to negotiate for the second floor, which took a super long time because he was still waiting for someone to come by his space. Right, of course, (laughs) yes. Yeah, and they finally let us do it. And uh, yeah, so that was a couple years later, and then we had to do another build out. And now, um, fast forward, we just bought the space. So we own the top two floors. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, kind of cool, kind of uh, you know, too, intense. Huh? Yeah, now we own. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, like I love the space. I love the like the little sitting room. I mean, it's been a while since I've been there, but I love the sitting the sitting room, like the entryway. Yeah. Um, and the couches and everything there, like it's just yeah, it's, it's cozy. It's so cozy. It's like a living room. It totally is. <laughs> it's so nice. Um, and you guys still have you guys still have the space on Fourteenth, mm-hmm. right? The new space. Yeah, we opened that. Two uh, years ago, two and a half years ago? No, not even. I think two and a half years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So we opened that. We we decided we wanted to do something different, and we were looking outside of the area. But we love Logan Circle, and we loved our P Street space. Mm-hmm. It was kind of crazy to do, I guess. Like what restaurant would open right next door to each other? But I, I don't know. We it's a little bit of an unusual way to do things. I sort of think of it as like an annex or an extension. Mm-hmm. And we operate it as if it's one space, you know, or, and it just gives you, you know, your class could be, you know, on either 14th or P. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just the name of the room. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a pretty cool space, too. If, if I, the one I remember when it when it first opened, mm-hmm. I walked in. I, I love that space, too. It's, it's bigger, right? It's nice. Yeah. And it's, it's, it just feels feels more open. Yeah. No, I, I and you can open up the outside and there's a little deck. So it's a little bit more modern. Mm-hmm. <laughs> An easier space to manage because it's brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting back to the sort of styles of yoga that are on offer in DC, do you think, 
we've come to a point where we have more styles now or do you think we've come to a point where we're actually narrowing the amount of styles because everything's sort of starting to become a vinyasa a power style class that's a good question i feel like at least at your own studio yeah i i don't know i feel like there's less like there's no more anyasara um i mean really who cares about labels anyway if it's a good yeah. fucking yoga class it doesn't matter right <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> i know it really depends who's teaching it and yeah. yeah what they're delivering so yeah i mean i think it's really confu- all the styles are just confuse people more like this i mean there are there are some distinct flavors i guess you know you have ashtanga you mm-hmm. have rocket a lot of the other vinyasa sort of styles seem to blend mm-hmm. i don't know if somebody would really understand the differences unless they were a teacher mm-hmm. um I, I love Dharma yoga. Yeah. I started my 300 hour there. I never finished my papers. Mm-hmm. I will one day. Um, Tell us a little bit more of that because you have a relationship with, with him, no? Um, not a personal. I mean, not a I, but like, does he come down and teach? Does he, does he come down to your studio before? Um, through so Brittany, did you know Brittany? Did she know? I don't. I mean, I know of her, but I don't yeah. know. Her, yeah. So she, um, her and Akil, they um, have been students of Dharma's for a long time. So they bring him down to DC, or they used to. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's still coming down. He's not coming down through us. Um, he used to come down, but most of the time people go to him. He's in New York. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and a couple of years ago, Brittany kept nudging me because I, I really like the practice. I, I like his, sequ- his sequences, and I just like also the depth of what mm-hmm. he's offering and she nudged me to take my 300 hour and on a whim I signed up for it and it's it's a really intense training because um I, I can't remember exactly the format of it but I remember being up like seven in the morning like getting or getting to the studio at seven in the morning we do pranayama and um meditation for the first hour or so mm-hmm. with dharma and then it goes like the whole day, like at 10 o'clock at night, we go home and then we wake up the next day at seven and it goes on for like 10 days like that. Yeah. And you're supposed to absorb so much and you can, right? And it's, it's a really steady, well, um, well organized training, but mm-hmm. it was, it was intense. Yeah. So I have a couple book reports. You still have to do it. Yeah. I got to do it. So I don't have my 300 hour. And then I've been studying like little pieces of Shiva Ray's. 300 yeah. hour for a long time too because she comes a lot to dc and we have a lot of teachers that are her um yeah, yeah students so i really love studying with her but yeah i don't have my 300 hour complete i don't know if i ever will but i'm okay with that yeah i'm okay with that too <laughs> people always ask me they're gonna do this do you want to do this 300 hour training i'm like what for yeah and I we actually I hosted one last year at flow and i took part in it so i feel like i've taken three 300 teacher trainings mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I mean, if you're a student of the yoga, then it's it's there always, and there's always t- places to learn it. And I don't know that, you know, having the, the 300 hour designation is, I mean, it, I think it's great if you do it. And if you don't want to do it, I think it's great too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, you've had a lot of, uh, a lot of celebrity yogis come through the doors at your studio, yeah? So yeah. <laughs> That's what I call them, celebrity yogis. <laughs> yeah. It was funny, uh, Krishna Das. Do you know who he is? Yeah, yeah. So he's coming to town in a couple, in a month. I'm, I'm just helping out. I'm mm-hmm. not bringing him, but it's just amazing that, you know, some celebrity yogis. Right? It's just changed. So, a lot of people don't know who Krishna Das is. But really? I, I started my yeah. If I ask like 
in one of my classes or teacher training, like, raise your hand if you know Krishna Das. Like, I'll get maybe one person. Oh, wow. Yeah. Even if we play his music in the studio, and we do sometimes. Yeah. I'm sure my teachers do. But, you know, that's, so that's definitely something that I've seen you asked, like, what has changed? Mm-hmm. And I think that connection, um, and, you know, sometimes there's good reasons that it's changed. Like, it was sort of this different system, this guru-based system that some of this has come down that needed to be shaken up. But there's, like, this moment that I miss walking into a studio and you just get the smell of Nag Champa and you hear Krishna Das playing because that's that was sort of my initiation mm-hmm. into like, the yoga that moved me the most. Um, and uh, so when you do your own teacher trainings, how did you sort of formulate that? Like, did you base that on the training that you took or did you just kind of start from ground zero? Like, how did you put together yours? Well, I took... Um, so I took this one at Tranquil Space, and then I realized like I there was so much more that I wanted to learn, mm-hmm. and I knew at that point I knew I was going to open a studio. So I went to New York with this woman, Allison West, mm-hmm. and she has a studio there. It's called Yoga Yoga Union and Yoga Union for Back Care. She actually has two studios, and she's really like a teacher's teacher. Mm-hmm. I remember asking Simon Park, I'm like, I want to get serious about this. Like, who do I need to learn with? And so I went for a month in New York. And I lived there, and I took her to under her 200-hour teacher training. And um, it was another one that we were, like, you know, if you do a teacher training in 30 days, like, we were, like, commuting into the – we were living in Brooklyn, and it was so intense. So I, I had that and Tranquil Spaces teacher training. And then I think a couple years later when I put ours together, I think the Yoga Alliance was, like, they had this, like, script of what you had to do. So I built it off. Mm-hmm. the requirements so they have like the different teaching practicums like how many hours you have anatomy right. and yeah yep. i love excel spreadsheets yes so that's how i build mm-hmm. yeah because that was like just really easy like okay i'm gonna do this and i had a lot of guest teachers originally coming in and i think our first two teacher trainings um part of it was we went to yogaville just to yeah. have two weekends together so the whole crew would go down there that's cool yeah it was neat I w- i'd love to do that again it's yeah, we haven't done it in a while. Yeah. That was really nice. And you just finished up a teacher training, or you're just starting one right now? You do a fall and a spring, or just, yeah. a, just a fall? Um, so two of our teachers are doing the spring one, Kath and Sam. And then just this spring, we probably won't do this again, but we were just thinking about, or I've been thinking a while about the different teachers at Flow. Mm-hmm. And I somehow convinced um, Mimi... Catherine and Sam and Corey Bryant. Yeah, I saw that. To do a teacher to training. Yeah. yeah. So that probably won't happen again, but it's, it's you know, so they're all going to like step in where they shine. I mean, they shine in so many different places, but yeah, I sort of in my mind concocted what it will look like mm-hmm. and I'm really excited about it. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, your own personal practice. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Which part? Wh- wh- which version? So do you, do you take classes every day or do you have a home practice? Like, what do you do? Okay. So I take as many classes I, as I can at flow mm-hmm. because yeah, those are the teachers that I'd love taking I mean, that's classes with. Like that's that. what you get to do when you own the amusement yeah. park. Yeah. But I also, <laughs> I also am really challenged when I take classes there. So I'll, I'll go there like some with my own practice. Like I'll go to flow twice a week, maybe, mm-hmm. um, I also will go to other studios sometimes just because when I'm there and flow practicing, I notice like, oh my God, that fan has dust on it. And 
the floorboard. Yeah, you can't practice because you're looking around the room. Have a nail sticking out of it. And yeah, it's so bad. My husband can do it. My I'm, when I met my husband, like when like we were both practicing yoga, and I moved in even before I moved in with him. Like he had a home practice, and he could practice. He had two cats. And he had a really tiny place, and he had this cat litter box. Like, he'd literally put his mat, like, four feet from the litter box. Like, that probably needed to be changed, and he could just practice. He just could get in that space mm-hmm. of just didn't, doesn't matter. And for me, I'm like, I have to change that litter box, definitely not be anywhere near it. I have to have – everything has to be totally aligned and perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least that's my experience for home practice. So it's nice to go to other studios um, and – you know, I'll go to a gym class once in a while and I have a home practice and what I do is, so, so that's my asana practice. Mm -hmm. Um, I have two little kids, so I've, I'm constantly rewriting what this looks like. Mm -hmm. And I, like, I think I got, I have it down and then like something shifts, like all of a sudden my kid, like, like I wake up in the morning and I try to wake up before everybody and I have to tiptoe downstairs, like past the dog can't wake the dog up right of course and we have these really creaky stair boards and i have to have a cup of tea before i practice so i usually sit and meditate um so you're practicing actually being a ninja yes. not being a yogi i yes. know yeah <laughs> that's totally right um i do yoga nidra almost every day oh yeah yeah and also i'll do some asana every day um like i'm like I what does that take the form of i love doing um shoulder stand hmm using a lot of props because yeah. my I have a little bit of scoliosis. It's actually probably not so good for me, but it, it sort of like reverses things in a way and it I, I don't know. I need to like stretch out like that. Mm-hmm. And I can't go right into it. So I like my go to like if I'm at home, like I'm doing cat cow. Mm-hmm. And I'll do cat cow for a while and then it'll transform into something else. And my whole goal is like, can I get into a shoulder stand or bridge pose? Yeah. Yeah. Um and that could be five minutes, it could be forty five minutes. And maybe that'll happen like once a week, sometimes twice a week if it's really good. But the yoga nidra happens like almost every day. Tell us a little bit more about that because I think the only, we really only had one guest who came in and talked a little bit about that. But tell us a little bit about the practice. Yeah, so I've been practicing yoga nidra. Dharma has his own version of yoga nidra, which I love listening to. And um, I've been practicing for, I don't know, like 10 years maybe. Uh, I love a guided version of it. I listen to Rod Stryker's mm-hmm. version of yeah, Yoga I Nidra. Rod. I don't know him, but I know of him, yeah. Yeah, he actually just came out with this meditation app that I haven't used because I have a CD of his. Mm-hmm. And I have a clock radio with a CD, and I just put it in. And I could do it in the morning, or I could do it at night. Like, both f- work well for me. Sometimes I'll do it in the middle of the day, and there's a 20-minute version and a 40-minute version. Mm-hmm. And... Do, are you asking what you know what it is right yeah, so it's yeah, like no, yeah no, it's like if you if you're you listening if you're yeah. listening you don't know what it is we have a podcast episode with Paige. uh go go back into the library and you can get it and we talk a lot about yoga nidra so yeah and so that like I, i'll sit sometimes in meditation like i you know like okay i'm gonna sit for five minutes just to get quiet i love being quiet mm-hmm. um but sometimes like my mind you know really doesn't let me have that five minutes of deep quiet because it takes so long to settle, but with yoga nidra, it brings me into that place pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. Um, so do you, ha- you do you have a, me- a daily meditation practice? That's what I mean. Just the five minutes, like the five minutes in yoga nidra. But anything like, do you ever sit for like half an hour or try to do that sort of thing? Or yeah. So the um, so I, 
I try to sit five minutes, like Jessica Lazar, she has this thing like, I can't remember how she says it exactly, like five in the beginning and five in the end. Mm -hmm. So five minutes in the morning, five at the end of the day. I mean, that's totally aspirational for me. It doesn't always happen, but I like when it does. But the yoga nidra is like at least 20 minutes. And I, I'd say I do that five days a week at least. Mm -hmm. And that for me is like um, a lot like what I'd want my met, the feeling that I get and the deep sense of relaxation mm -hmm. um, is my meditation practice. Yeah. I mean, I meditate. Like I, I walk my dog every day in the woods. Yeah. Pretty cool. I leave my phone behind. Yeah, no, uh, I I wish I had a, a daily meditation practice. I mean, I do. I walk and I, I sit in silence, but I don't like actively try to do, you know, like Vipassana meditation or mm -hmm. um, Transcendental Meditation. I don't do any of that every day, um, but I look forward to doing it in the future sometime. Yeah. Making it a part of my daily practice. I, I, don't, I don't practice asana every day either. I mean, I just stretch every day. So I guess I do practice asana, but I, I have my own yin practice. I sort of just sit and you know, postures for five minutes and wait for the tension to release and then, you know, move on to the next posture. So, um, it's amazing how things evolve, huh? Like you start, you start doing postures one way and then, you know, five years later, all of a sudden you're doing completely different stuff and it just depends on what your body needs, right? Yeah. It, it definitely depends <coughs> on, the, on the season of your life. Like, I mean, I still like aspire to be able to like go to my Mysore classes. Mm -hmm. I, like my kids are just like, you know, I have to take care of them and I want to be a mom that I could be proud of. And I work a lot and yeah, that's like the karma yoga, man. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I would love to wake up and tell my husband to take, get them ready and go to school, but I, I and they're getting older. I think it'll get easier to do that because I really do like my, like I'm somebody who could benefit from doing asana more frequently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, I have to do the yoga nidra. Like I have to have the quiet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did so you taking. did you ever do Mysore as a daily practice? Oh yeah, but probably like a week at a time, <laughs> or like two or three times. I'd say hi to Jen and Corey and those yeah. guys, and like hey, and then I would leave and come back, you know, a couple months later. Um, and what about cross training? Do any other like you do any weightlifting? Any like running? Yeah. Um, I, you know, when I I have this, it's kind of funny, but you know, like so yoga, it's like this whole conversation about push and pull mm -hmm. and stuff like that. My dog is this unmanageable 80 pound dog. So I'm constantly, constantly pulling. pulling him. I think of that when I walk. So yeah. I has to count for something. And I, d I work out like once a week, I'll go like to solid core or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely, I like that. Yeah. yeah I think it's important mm -hmm. for yogis to do, to do cross training. You mm -hmm. can't just, you can't live on loose hamstrings. Yeah. I, I can yeah, need something to stretch people. Yeah. I, I love that. I, um, I don't want to go to CrossFit though. That scares me. Yeah. There's no need for that. And these uh, friends down the street have this place called Cut Seven. Yeah, that kind of scares me too. But I want to try to show up one day. Have you been there? I have. Yeah, Cut Seven is cool. Yeah, um, it's this. It's a place on the, it's on the second floor, and uh, it's like this kind of big room that looks like a donut. Yeah. Um, and there's stations set up around it, and depending on which type of workout you're doing, um, you do different stuff at the different stations. Is it's it like an Orange Theory kind of thing? It, it is, but without like the treadmills and the rowers. So it's basically like you have stations with like battle ropes and you have a station with TRX, you have a station with free weights and you have like a, the, the kind of donuts in this sort of track like yeah. thing. So you kind of will be running around the track or you'll be hopping around yeah. the track or 
yeah, not my thing, but I'll try. I, I think it's cool it's, that they're doing it. It's cool. Like it, it's it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would do that before I would do CrossFit. Although I know lots of people do CrossFit, and I do CrossFit workouts too. It's just a question of getting to like a beginner class, you know, and doing it that way. And I mean, there's some cool stuff with CrossFit too. I don't like jumping on boxes. Is that I mean, what you do? There's like, some yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, there is some stuff like that. Um, but you don't have to do that if you I don't know. I, um, I, my dream is like, I actually just spoke with Juliet. I'm like, can we do some sort of like spring boot camp where you, because mm. I'm always trying to figure out my schedule. Like I have, like, I should, I feel like I have a degree in scheduling or how to like create a schedule and like time management. But so I just figured that if I could get Juliet to teach twice a week at 9 a.m. at the studio, that would mm -hmm. be what I do for the weight training. I think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I love it. it. I, I think it's needed. I mean, I, you know, I, I actually, I don't, I don't know if I think it's needed, but because everyone's so different, everyone's body's so different, so they have to you know, find what works for them. Mm -hmm. But if you keep doing the same thing, yeah. Yeah, there's, I mean, you, your body needs to be challenged mm -hmm. to grow. And just move in different ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, no, that's absolutely true. Um, so... Tell us a little bit more about resources that you go to, like for your own practice, that it would be books or like websites or blogs or anything that like, you know, is there any one book that's really like resonated with you that you read over and over again or, or yoga resources you can think for anybody who's listening? Yeah. So I, I knew I saw that. So I just, before we sat down, I wrote it down <laughs> when I pulled out my sheet, I'm like, I saw the last question. So, love it. um, so I wrote Krista Tippett. Yeah, on being yeah. with Krista Tippett. Yeah, I I just have a book like I have yeah. like I I'm like what books are near my bedside? So I have her book Becoming Wise. Um, Jhumpa Lahari is a fiction author, but mm -hmm. I just I don't know I love reading her words. It sort of slows me down and just brings me home. Um, I just read her book called Unaccustomed Earth. I like the I think it's like Women's Book of Meditation. Mm -hmm. And what else? I just got a copy that someone gave me, the Tantra of the Yoga Sutras, mm -hmm. by Alan Finger, who was a teacher yeah, in New York Alan for of course, a yeah. long time. I don't know if he's still teaching there, but he owned studios. I'm sure Yoga Works bought them. I can't remember the name of his studios. Last time I checked, he was teaching like one class a week on like Monday afternoon or something mm -hmm. at his studio, but I don't know if it's since he sold it. Mm -hmm. But uh, the wonderful uh, April Pucciata. Oh, uh, right. Used to study totally, with him. totally. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah, that's her yeah. teacher. Yeah, she's awesome. So hopefully we'll get her on the show sometime next month. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned for April. And then, yeah, I think I have one more book. Oh, I'm, I didn't write this down, but I'm reading a book called Sapiens. Yeah. Have you seen that book? I have, yeah. yeah. It's I'm pretty like cool, on huh? On page 30 or something. It's pretty dense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um, it's not really a yoga book, but yeah. I mean, it's about people. Yeah. And yoga, I think, is an awful lot about people. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're gonna have to wrap up. Yeah. <coughs> any um, any upcoming um, retreats, yoga teacher trainings you wanna shout out for? We'll also be able to. We'll also collect some stuff yeah. from you, and we'll no, put I you on your good. podcast. We're gonna have episode. yoga on the mall again. Yeah. Um, I think May, last weekend of May, and yeah, lots of stuff on the website. Yeah. So uh, the website is Flow Yoga Center. There you go. Dot com. Dot com. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show, Deb. Yeah, thank you. That was awesome. Yeah, it's fun. Um, so you've been listening to the DC Yoga Podcast. 
Uh, if you like what you hear, give us uh, a rating either on iTunes or the thumbs up on uh, SoundCloud. Uh, if you have any questions for me, I can be reached at dcyogapodcast at gmail.com. I'm um, Chris Parkinson, and we'll talk to you all soon again. Bye.